Welcome to the Build My Online Store podcast, where we discuss everything and anything about running an online store. If you like the podcast, sign up for the mailing list to get news and updates at buildmyonlinestore.com. And now, here's your host, Terry Lynn. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 77 of the Build My Online Store podcast. I'm your host, Terry, and today's episode is about building a strong relationship with your customers and just creating a great shopping experience so that they refer their friends, they tell their family, they tell their mother, they tell their grandma, so they can come back to your business and you can grow organically. And so oftentimes you'll see people online, you know, when they're on their Facebook page or Twitter page, you know, they're just shouting louder and louder, right? Like, buy my shoes, buy my shoes. Uh, buy my necklace, you know, things like that. And you know, I've been guilty of it myself too. And so the thing is that noise only gets louder and louder. And you know, how do you break through to this noise, right? And so today's episode is a great example on how uh, Richard over at Huckberry kind of grew an email list to almost quarter of a million and has a really strong customer base that has a really strong purchase rate. Uh, I think his conversion rate's about 10, 15%, if I remember right. And yeah, today we're gonna talk about his story and how he got started. Yeah, and so updates on my side, nothing new on the product side, uh, but in terms of personal stuff, I'll be going to Vietnam on January 7th. So if any of you listeners are there or stopping by for the area for the time being, uh, do let me know and uh, let's meet up. So shoot me an email, uh, terry at buildmyonlinestore.com, and I'll see you guys soon. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Uh, so for those of us who may not know who you are, uh, who are you and what do you do? Hey guys, uh, yeah, it's Richard Greiner here. Uh, I'm a co-founder of Huckberry. Uh, Huckberry is an online magazine and shop for guys, uh, the type of guy that lives in the city but but loves loves the outdoors. Nice. And so when was this business formed? So we, uh, my business partner, Andy Force and I sort of conceived Huckberry the summer of 2010. Our target market, you know, scratching our own itch. We we're young professionals. We lived in lived in the city. We were ski buddies and outdoor buddies. And we sort of hashed this idea that nobody was really speaking to this guy that, you know, a young professional, you know, fashionable, but outdoorsy, not the kind of guy that's going to be climbing, climbing Mount Everest, but, you know, gets in the mountains and see and outdoors as much as possible. And so nobody was really speaking to this sort of you know, silent majority of guys that aren't really on one of the extremes, whether it's fashion or performance. Nobody was speaking to that guy from a, you know, a content perspective or a retail shopping perspective. We hashed the idea that summer uh, while we were still working. And then um, by, I think, September, we all we put it in our two weeks and quit our jobs and dove in headfirst once we were comfortable enough with the, with the concept and idea. How did you guys approach this problem then? Did you guys like start a blog or what was your approach after that? We talked to both sides of the equation as much as we could. We, we went and talked to all of our friends, our social networks, and, and asked them, you know, what, what are pain points in your life? Um, what magazines do you like? Where do you shop? Where do you get your guidance from? And so we got a pretty nice perspective there that you know, there's a lot of people out there that are similar to us that you know, don't really have any centralized source for, you know, whether it be shopping or entertainment or sort of a lifestyle provider. It seemed like there was a need from the consumer standpoint. And then we also started reaching out to a bunch of brands that, that we personally liked, as well as just sort of researching the basic, you know, urban, outdoor, fashion markets, and started reaching out to these, the various brands that, that we really liked. You know, you start diving into like, what are their problems and how do they want to reach their consumers better? You know, we really just talked to them and we got sort of thumbs up, green lights, 
from from all sides. At a certain point, you kind of just have to, you know, take a dive dive off the uh, off the edge of the pond and and get in there. You really don't know until you start doing. Yeah, you can only, you can research until the sky is blue and you will never do anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's one thing that we've learned is. Uh, there was a, a wise, um, a wise buddy of ours told us as we were getting started. You always throw out your first pancake. You change your business so much by just launching it and seeing, sort of getting the feedback from, you know, both sides of the equation. That uh, it's most important to get your product out there, and then you kind of refine and improve over time. Gotcha. And so, what's the current business model now of Huckberry? Fundamentally, we make our money um, as an e-commerce shop. Uh, so, you know, sort of a, a typical e-commerce retailer. Our business is split into two components. We've got a what we call discovery, uh, which you know is sort of a short duration sale. Um, a lot of people will call that uh, a flash sale model, uh, where there's limited duration sales, and um, we're picking and curating products on a biweekly basis and presenting them to our readers uh, for sale for for typically uh, one week at a time. And then the other half of our business is a more of a curated approach where we're stocking products at um, sort of full price and constantly stocking them in, in various verticals that are important to our, our readers. So there's men's grooming, there's uh, carry, denim, watch, and a couple other other shops that really define um, those important verticals for us. Yeah, I see, um, like I'm on your website now. I understand you need to like give your email. It's like a membership type of model. And then once you get in, so you guys are stocking some products yourself and also, like I see you guys have like say Bellroy. Are you guys actually buying wallets from them and then holding the inventory or are they just drop shipping it from there then? Yeah, so we anything that's an essential shop, we are actually going to be holding uh, holding the stock of and, and taking inventory risk there. Most of the stuff that that we're stocking is a non-sized or colored item, so it makes it a lot easier to take inventory risk when you don't have a, a small a small blue shirt, a medium blue shirt, a large blue shirt, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So Bellroy is a is a great example of a of a brand that that we just love. You know, there's probably fifteen. 20 SKUs total, um, and so it, it's really easy to take inventory risk with, with, with that sort of SKU setup. And so how did you guys test out like a minimum viable product for this model when you guys started out? <laughs> yeah, we, we, uh, yeah, we basically, when we started, it was uh, first just choosing products and brands that we personally loved. And over time, Huckberry became, you know, Andy and I's sort of personal taste. And it took a life of its own and has its own identity in a way where there's there's products that I will personally love, but I know that for the most part, Huckberry readers won't like it. And I know there's products that I may not be a fan of personally, but I know that our readers will love it. So it was pretty interesting how you develop a taste for this, um, you know, for your brand essentially and getting stuff out there and trying things and just seeing what works and what doesn't work is, is, is the best way. It's nice sort of being, when you start, you're small and flexible and you can try something. If it doesn't work, oops, okay, try, try something else. And so we kind of took that approach and took us probably nine, nine months to a year to really hone in on our curation and our voice and our tone and everything. And, and that was when we started really hitting our stride. And how did you measure the initial traction kind of in those nine to ten uh, that first year <laughs> on, on, on one hand <laughs> for us be, because we are a, a membership model uh, the number of subscribers that we have is, is is sort of the first and foremost thing that you look at if i didn't 
touch on this before, uh, to buy on Huckberry, you have to become a member. We're fundamentally capped on the number of people that, on the total number of customers um, by the number of members that we have. So for us, the most important thing was, was getting more members. And so from there, once you start acquiring members, you can break them down into, into different buckets. Is this member purchasing? How, how frequently they, do they purchase? What's their average order size? You know, how engaged are they with our emails and clicking and time on site and all that kind of thing? But really, the initial traction was, hey, how many how many members can we get? A little bit more background on us: we're we're a bootstrapped business. We didn't raise any money. We invested a little bit a little bit of money, Andy and I, just to sort of kick the ball along and became profitable in, in a couple of months. But we never really went out there and bought our customers or you know, a ton of paid advertising. So for us, it was definitely pretty tough to sort of get the locomotive rolling and and the subscribers to sign up it was a lot more difficult than we anticipated yeah because i think the challenge now is that everyone knows they get a lot of spam emails so getting someone to sign up must have been pretty hard right and i guess telling them you know there's value in signing up to kind of getting curation services and new products that's discovered it probably was the biggest challenge i'm guessing yeah absolutely it's it was the old the, the chicken and the egg scenario where you know as we're trying to get launched get users before you're launched and how do you get a user if you don't have any product for sale and how do you get a brand to sign up if you don't have any users so it was kind of this dilemma of what do you do first or how do you how do you get this thing kicked along and at a, at a certain point we went out there and we found two brands that we really loved and we made a hard pitch to them and we're like hey guys we want to launch with you guys we love you and we're going to do a great job and uh, they both sort of signed up and got the ball rolling and then from there it was just a lot of uh, elbow grease i guess to uh to get to get off the ground when you signed up those two suppliers did you have a pretty big base already or were you just kind of building going to build the base after you got them on board yeah so we i was just looking at some numbers this morning i think we had like under a thousand subscribers when we first launched so as you can imagine, our first week of sales was, was not too strong. Once you have some product out there and, and you make your first push, that's when um, it's, it's a much easier pitch to have somebody to sign up once you have product out there. Right, and when you've got those first two suppliers on, you also, you guys invested in inventory from them or were they drop shipping at first? Yeah. So on the, on the flash side of, of the business, which we call discovery, we are typically set up with a consignment model where we're buying as we're selling or we're buying after we sell. Particularly when we were just getting off the ground and featuring, you know, call it two to five brands per week and having a really small subscriber list, it's almost impossible to take uh, much inventory risk there and still have a, a decent selection. You know, it definitely started off as this pre-sale model where you're buying after you sell and there's an inherent sort of wait time for delivery. But it's a great way to start a business because it's capital light, essentially. And, and if I'm selling products before I'm buying it, I'm getting the cash flow up front and typically you're going to have terms with, with your suppliers. So it's a great way to sort of get off the ground and so long as you can properly communicate to your customers that there is going to be a wait time, it's, uh, it can be a great way to, to, to at least bootstrap a business. Yeah, because you're playing the positive cash flow game that usually screws up the inventory business when you buy it first and sell it later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Down the road, we've you know, shipping times are definitely pain point for us and something that we're constantly working on. There's various things that you know on the flash side, the discovery side, uh, that we do to reduce um, shipping times. Now that we're established and you know, decent size uh, customer base, we can anticipate. Okay, if I'm going to be selling 
Gerber knives this week. I know I'm going to sell at least 50 of these, 200 of those. And so we'll place some orders up front to, you know, have some inventory on hand and then continue to purchase, you know, as sales come in during the offering. All right. And so just to get an idea, like how big, like ballpark is your email list now? We're looking at like, like, 20,000, 50,000, or like even more than that? Yeah, so we were about a little over a quarter million right now. We launched on April 7th of 2011. About two and a half years open to the public. I think our first year, I think we finished the year around eh, maybe 20, 25,000 subscribers. So a lot of the growth has been sort of in the last year, year and a half. Part of that is it takes a while to, to sort of prove out your brand and to have people willing to you know to support you and to partner with you you know if you're if you're a large established brand it's a lot harder of a pitch um, to get a large brand if you're just just out of the gate you're small you don't have much credibility yet let's let's say you you gain one subscriber typically one subscriber is going to um, refer at least uh, you know a person and a half so you pick up one people you're really picking up two and a half people so those numbers start to really matter and, and move the ball you know once you've got a, a large enough base where adding an extra, you know, 0.5 to 1.5 uh, people for each subscriber you add, uh, that, that really starts to add up then. So how is that built into your backend then, like on the website? Is there just like a lot of, like you sign in with Facebook and then it sees, you see it on your friend's page or like how do you build in that viral coefficient there? We do it in a couple of ways. First and foremost, believe it or not, it, it's just straight up word of mouth and there's, there's no incentive. I think we've done a great job of sort of a fiercely loyal um, and engaged readership. The vast majority of our traffic comes from sort of organic referrals and that sort of thing. That's really great to have. Uh, beyond that, we have a couple of sort of referral programs within Huckberry. One is the um, give $5, make 10, where every person you invite when they sign up, get $5 credit of Huckberry credit. And then when they make their first purchase, the referrer gets $10 of, of Huckberry credit. It's nice for the person that's that's being invited because you're like, oh, here's five bucks. So that kind of incentivizes them to make a purchase, which gives the person that sent the referral ten dollars. So it kind of spurs everything along and um, makes things a little bit more fun on, on on that front. And is there like a app that does this for you, like for like e-commerce platforms? Or there are plenty of apps out there that do that. We actually built ours custom um, for the better or for the worse. Gigia might be one. G I G. YA. But yeah, it's, it's definitely it's definitely effective. And, and you know, you want to have uh, Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest buttons all over the place and share by email and, and constantly remind and encourage people uh, to share products. You know, a lot of people now on social media are kind of worried about sharing just random stuff online. So even if you just have a button, unless they really, really like it or like the alignments, incentives are aligned, kind of like what you said with the two referrals. It's kind of really just get hard to get people to share stuff now too. Absolutely. Um, the other part of the business that we haven't really talked about much is is the the content side. Fundamentally, when, when we started Huckberry, sort of telling the story behind the brands and the products that we are selling and, and working with uh, was really important to us. Uh, particularly because most of these brands are they're small brands that you probably haven't heard of. You know, most of them have amazing stories. It's this guy that has been shaping surfboards for the last thirty years in his garage and has mastered his craft. You know, it's telling those stories and, and sort of you know selling product through story that's really been fundamental to us. And when we originally launched Huckberry, it was always on a, a brand basis. 
So it was uh, fly low ski gear. You know, that was the brand. And we told first thing that you saw was like was a write up on the brand and a bunch of pictures that sort of articulated what they're all about in their lifestyle. Um, and then the products are sort of secondary to that, uh, which I think is, is a real big differentiator for us. Selling through story and through content. We started off basically just doing story and content around the brands and products that we are selling. Um, and then we started slowly branching out into uh, building out our, our journal, um, which is basically a once or twice a day post that we do um, about anything from you know, an explorer from the 1920s or this really cool hideout that an architectural student built in the middle of Nevada. Whatever it may be, we, we, we do a ton of content. Uh, we invest two full-time, one full-time editor, a, another junior editor, and probably 15 freelance writers that are just constantly jamming away on, on the content side of things. And that is the most easy shareable thing that we do. As a subscriber, if you're reading an article, that's something that you'll put on your Facebook wall. Um, as opposed to, oh, hey, here's a knife that you should put on your Facebook wall. Yeah, because if, if you're just selling knives, like, here's my products, here's my products, like, why don't you just go to Amazon, right? Like, there's no story behind it. Like, people want to know why this product's different and kind of have a different angle than just your normal commodity you can get anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's a more natural way to sort of to sell and pitch. Um, and I think that has been uh, a huge part of, uh, of what differentiates us as well as what has helped us grow and with that organic referral and sharing. Gotcha. So you were saying earlier your email is probably like somewhere a quarter million uh, plus range. So out of those subscribers, like what percentage are actually buyers? It's about mid-teens. Uh, percentage-wise that, that are actually, um, you know, have purchased before. Because of how we've grown, which has been very natural and organic and sort of partnership-based, uh, the quality of our subscribers is, is very high. Our email open rates are sort of in the mid-30s, mid-30%, which for an e-commerce company is is, is, is pretty strong. Uh, and, the, and the fact that we've been able to, you know, grow to a quarter million subscribers over a quarter million subscribers and still maintain this mid-30s open rate, I think is indicative of the quality of, of our growth and uh, subscriber additions. And I think you guys have the content angle baked into it too. Like there's a reason to open your emails instead of just like a newsletter that's kind of boring or another promotion, right? Our email is, um, it's, it's a pretty interesting beast. Uh, I say it's the thing that we do, do the best. It's a real nice mix of storytelling, of brand and product introduction, as well as current events. And we have this section of our email that's we call diversions. This is what we're reading elsewhere on the internet. This is what we're listening to music-wise. This is what we're watching or reading. And, and we send you know, 10, 20, 25,000 clicks an email away from Huckberry, I think the fact that we're so open and and sort of transparent with our with our readers, like, hey, this article is awesome. Yeah, maybe on Gizmodo, but we don't care. You should read it anyways. The fact that we kind of take that approach, I think, keeps our readers super super loyal and engaged. We're selling a lifestyle. And we're selling the, the, these are things that we're interested in that we think are cool, and you know, we hope we we hope you do as well. We're sort of taking the this. Uh, long tail approach with our customers and subscribers and that really is like we want you to be opening every single email even if you're not buying because you know you will buy down the line chances are or you'll be telling your friends that check out this this email it's the best email I receive all week and can grow through it so we're really worried about this mind share over wallet share yeah that's an interesting thing that you do that because you can also use that kind of as like a content testing 
like sandbox, right? Like if people are clicking a lot to this link about like say some topic and rather than the other one, kind of you guys can tailor your content through that down the future too. Absolutely, yeah. Definitely take that approach where if there's a really cool diversion, like a story that we read about some crazy new spider that was discovered in Malaysia and we send people to this article, if people really love that and cl click that article a bunch, then, oh, maybe we should look into doing a blog post on that or um, sort of developing content around it. So yeah, absolutely, you, you really learn a lot about your customers by what they're clicking and reading and doing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very helpful. All right, so let's move back into the story a little bit. So you were saying how when you first started out, you guys had to you know rub a lot of elbow grease to get the first two suppliers. You know, So now with all these subscribers, do you find the switch has been flipped where they're dying to get on board with you guys? Yeah, absolutely. We've got a lot more to offer, I suppose. One thing we've really pride ourselves on is is sort of positioning a brand properly and um, you know telling their story. The result of that is we get to work with brands that typically don't work with anybody else at all. Our sort of brand partners list is pretty high quality, and I think it is really because of you know our focus on storytelling and communicating what brands ethos is all about. That allows you to get brands that other people can't get, um, and, and we've got probably three dozen brands that exclusively work with themselves like they all they do is sell on their own online shop and maybe a brick and mortar store and have never ever sold with anybody else um, except for Huckberry and so that's something that we we definitely take a lot of pride in and, and we get emails from people like holy moly I can't believe you guys got this brand or that brand it's it's definitely one of our focuses is just getting the, the, the best brands out there with the best stories and, and doing it upright. I guess for them, it's just like a separate channel they can sell their product at, right? Yeah, if, if, exactly. It's another channel to, to move products, but really it's um, one of the biggest reasons brands will work with us is for the the exposure to their target market. You know, we've got over 250,000, a pretty niche demographic. So if you're a brand that you fit our basic aesthetic taste, then chances are you're going to want to get in front of in front of our of our readers so that exposure along with how we do you know really tasteful branding and and positioning it's kind of funny like if you really simplify our pitch to a brand it's like hey we're going to introduce you to 250,000 people that are really engaged and you know are spot on for your demographic and then we're going to write you a big check at the yep. end yep sign me up <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. me so, so yeah it's, it's definitely gotten a lot easier from the beginning and I, I remember me and andy like sitting in our apartments just hammering away at the phones trying to get brands signed up and um yeah it's, it's, it's definitely a lot easier i see yeah so i'm at your site now and i see there's uh something called huckberry credit is this what we talked about earlier where you get like the five bucks or the ten bucks off something or is this another from a kind of channel you know the referral program is part of it we definitely use the huckberry box huckberry credit as a value add there'll be some products that um, we're going to sell at full price but we're going to give you let's take the example of a belroy belroy wallet again if you buy one of those wallets for 89 bucks we're giving you free shipping and then 10 percent back on that purchase so if it was 90 90 dollar wallet you're getting nine dollars after that purchase towards your next purchase so it's sort of a way it's sort of a loyalty program as well in addition to being you know the backbone of the referral program for instance on labor day we did a big labor day sale and put a coupon code out saying hey you know use this code today and get and get five bucks or we'll run a promotion with one of our partners for this event that we're doing with with one of our partners get get ten dollars credit when you sign up um, under these conditions or uh, on this day or whatever it may be it's a, it can be a great tool to um, partner with other people with as well i see so i guess with the free shipping and this 10 percent back you guys are just letting it 
eat into your margins, right? Because you're buying wholesale from Bellroy. Because what's keeping the customer from buying from Bellroy direct? I guess it's this little discount. Exactly. I mean, you know, there's a couple of ways to look at it. Uh, some people, they trust our curation and our taste where they're just going to buy it straight from us no matter what the price is, even if we priced it higher than, you know, what the brand itself was selling it as. But then there's the other people out there that are, this population is getting much bigger, which is just the smart shopper or the, the comparison shopper online. And one of our big principles is, you know, we're not a discount shop by any means, but we always want to be the best price or value out there. And so sometimes providing value for certain items is going to be giving you this credit back or free shipping. All right. And so what are the most popular products kind of that people buy from you? Yeah. So we broadly break down products into two categories, apparel and gear. Um, the apparel is anything that's sized, that has skews basically, so colors and sizes and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then gear is a wallet, a knife, a backpack, a slingshot, a water bottle, whatever it may be. And you know, broadly speaking, we sell more gear than apparel, and we make more money on, on gear as well for, for a couple of reasons. You know, there's no size or fit. So the returns are much, much lower on, on, on gear products than, than apparel. It's just easier to sell and ship gear. <laughs> but, you know, as far as like actual big popular products, it's sort of split between some of these evergreen products that would do really well with some, some of our grooming products as well. Um, Imperial, they make hair care products, a really big seller for us as well. And then it's funny, we'll do, we have these quirky products every now and then that just blow up like crazy. One of them was this thing called a flask tie. The, the name says it all. You don't really have to, it's, it's a pretty easy sell. And I, we sold thousands of those. It was amazing. $25, so great price point. Kind of a kooky story. And as long as you sell it like that, like, hey, you know, like, you're not going to be wearing this to your wedding, but <laughs> it's kind of a fun thing to have. Yeah, like if you're in the office, you're at a boarding meeting and you're, you're just you know, like spacing out, just, you know, have a flask in your tie. <laughs> exactly. So we, we, we've had, you know, dozens of products like that that just sort of totally surprise you and blow up and, and hit really big. And um, those can very, very quickly become um, some of your best sellers. But outside of that, on the apparel side, it, it tends to be very seasonal. The last couple months, we've been absolutely crushing it with heavier boots, like um, like a nicer leather boot, warm outerwear, um, as, as broad categories, those have just been crushing it lately. And, you know, as the season dwindles and switches over to fall, or I'm sorry, to winter, uh, that, that stuff will drop off dramatically. At time and place, some of the seasonal stuff does does really well. It seems like your price point is somewhere around like 90 bucks to like 250 Kind of most products seem to fall into that range. There's sort of a couple different categories of price points. A lot of the stuff that we sell is made in America, high quality craftsmanship, good story, made in America, and those typically will be that have a one or two handle on them, so 100 or 200 bucks. And then from there, we also offer, we try and offer the, you know a more moderately priced item, which is is typically going to be made overseas, but that still is good quality. And like, hey, I need a a pair of $70 boots and I also would like a nice pair of, of Chippewa boots for 250 bucks. And there's a need and a want for, for, for both types of products. So we try and hit both of those points, uh, higher end premium, more of like what we call an, um, an investment piece. And then something more of a moderate, moderately priced, uh, more discretionary um, type purchase. Yeah. And so when they give you the products, are you packaging it in your box, like a Huckberry box or how does that work? Out? Yeah. Yeah. Everything's, going in our, our own boxes and you know, we have branded um, branded tape and marketing materials that we, that we send out. We typically sort of rotate our one 
kind of fun item for a while we made uh huckberry matches i think we sent out candy for a while warheads and that kind of thing and just trying to have like something in there that's a little bit of flavor and has a little bit of uh, personality there um, and then we have some other materials uh, programs that we have like a, a share your wear uh, program where we're encouraging our people to take pictures of you wearing or using whatever you bought from Huckberry. We share those on our website and we give people you know, Huckberry credit. You know, if you have a great picture, we're going to give you 50 bucks of Huckberry credit and just trying to spur sort of um, user engagement and participation. How did you guys go about creating this experience from like opening the box and kind of engaging kind of on the fulfillment side and just the whole buying the product? Um, very slowly. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we've, we've come a long way. When we first started, we were shipping out of USPS boxes, taping labels onto <laughs> to the boxes. Super manual and like did definitely did not look great. And, and over time, we've just slowly refined it. And you take a next step, like getting a label printer. Um, and that, that makes such a difference, right? When, when all of a sudden you've got a really easy sticky label, you can just slap on a box and ship it out the door. And so we just kind of, you know, take it one step at a time and trying to add a new a new feature or component or touch point um, o- over time. And, and so, you know, it was getting our own boxes. It was getting our own brand to tape. It was putting marketing material in those boxes. We actually just launched uh, this thing called uh, Explorer's shirt today. We made a custom uh, button-down shirt with our with our buddies out in San Francisco, Taylor Stitch. And so we did a collaboration with them for this, this Huckberry Explorer's shirt. And the presentation of these, it's going to be wrapped in really nice craft paper. And then we went out and got a wax seal and are actually putting a wax seal to tape everything together, like tape the, the butcher paper around the shirt. Real nice touch here and there. And one thing that we do a lot of is we order from our competitors and we order from brands that we really respect and then see what they're doing and try and copy best practices from them. If, if you're doing it well, you should follow, follow the leader. You know, when you're running an e-commerce store, you don't have like an advantage like a Nordstrom has where you have a salesperson, you can touch all the products. Like it's really these little touch points from when you get it in your house, you open the box, there's like a wax stamp, like you said, and you know, the paper you use, it's like that whole thing that creates the experience rather than kind of what you lack from a physical store too. Absolutely. And, and being an online shop, you only have so many possible touch points. You know, it's, it's the email, it's social media, it's customer service. It's something we can talk about later, but we invest heavily there. Um, and then the, you know, the packaging or the end product. Those touch points, or each one of those touch points, we take extremely, extremely carefully and, and put a lot of, invest a lot of resources into it. Yeah. And so you touched upon customer service, so let's just might as well get into that. So one thing I'm curious on before we get into it is that you know, with someone giving you their email, they're engaging with you on content, social media, like are your return rates pretty low than average, lower than average? What's average? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I think I'd say our return rates, return rates are pretty low just from talking to friends in the business and, and, that, and that sort of thing. Um, a big part of that is the fact that we saw a lot of gear related products and you know returns for an apparel type item typically you know call it five to seven percent return rate something like that i think um whereas a gear will be one percent two percent awesome very cool and so if we look forward a little bit just to wrap things up uh, you know kind of what's your biggest challenge now uh, kind of growing huckberry to the next level so i think the the hardest most challenging thing for us is 
uh, is getting more customers. And as you get bigger and bigger, the channels that you, that we have grown through so far become more incremental or not as big of a, they don't, they don't move the needle as much. We've done a great job of growing through small partnerships and small, medium-sized blogs and websites and partners. And, you know, back in the day, adding 100 people from a partnership was awesome. Like, oh, sweet, we got 100 people in two days from this partner. Uh, while we still definitely do that, and that's a very, very important part of our growth and business plan, you need other avenues if you want to keep up growth on, on, a, on a relative or percentage basis. So finding ways to grow, <clears throat> you know, we're not VC back, so we don't have five, 10, 20 million in the bank, SG&A kind of thing. Um, so we have to be pretty creative and uh, resourceful with, with the money that we do spend on, on marketing and you know, customer acquisition. Uh, so for us, you know, how we've succeeded so far, and I think how, how we will continue to succeed in the future is, is through developing partnerships. Now our partners need to get bigger and, and bigger and, and, and more of them. Um, but I think you know, that really is um, sort of the future for us is just continuing to do what we've been doing, but just on a, on a larger scale and going full circle because we are subscriber-based, we need to get more subscribers to uh, sort of open up our potential customers. Like getting suppliers for products is okay, but it's growing Huckberry as a brand. That's kind of the bigger picture here you guys are trying to go for. Right? Absolutely, yeah. I think we've done a great job of bridging content and commerce and how do we bridge the online world with the offline world? And that's going to be a, another huge challenge for us and you know, how do we become more of like a physical or in-person type type of brand and that's through experiential stuff and bricks and mortars potentially and the next big leap for us is, is bridging the online and offline worlds. Yeah, awesome. All right, and my last question, uh, one thing you mentioned earlier was how the first year was a really long slog to kind of get your first thousand subscribers you know in coming like the past two years where you guys are like you know a quarter of a million now what was like probably the biggest impact that kind of gave you guys that hockey stick growth one thing that we've realized time and time and time again is that there is no silver bullet you're constantly searching for it like oh once i get this partnership we're gonna be huge or you know once we get uh this product or this brand on huckberry we're gonna be growing like gang gangbusters uh there there's definitely no one silver bullet that's uh, sort of a hard lesson to learn so far we, we haven't been able to find it at least like i was sort of harping on before our approach to partnerships and finding like-minded people and, and brands and organizations to partner with um, really has been has been our our key to success we had a couple that were willing to take a um, you know go out on a limb for us uh, towards the beginning when we were young and a couple of those uh, partners were, were extremely influential and our growth and sort of uh, maturity and, and, and getting more credibility out there. Crushing dreams, man. I thought I could just get on TechCrunch and then I'll be a millionaire the next day. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, that's something that we're starting to get into more now is the, the whole PR world. But um, that's, a, that's a tough world to crack. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you, Richard, for joining us today. And thank you, listener, for tuning in. You guys can find out more about Huckberry at Huckberry.com. Make sure you guys sign up for the mailing list, especially if you're a guy like myself. I just joined the other day. I got some pretty cool stuff there. So, Richard, thanks again for joining uh, the show, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Yeah, sounds great. To get more information about running an online store, visit our website at buildmyonlinestore.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast. <laughs>